When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, I am speaking with the undisputed princess of Brooklyn. It's Magenta. But first, thoughts on... Dune. Why the Last Man. Scream 5. Alejandro Hodorowski. Annihilation, Scorpio season, and much more. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Mwah. Okay, welcome to America, uh, and thank you for listening to another thrilling edition of The Luminaries. Uh, As you've noticed, we've returned to legacy numbering, so although we are in what could be classified by no one as season three. We are officially at episode 98. I am um, really excited to hit episode 100. We have a lot planned. And thanks to um, one of my beloved listeners and friends uh, who is going to be helping with uh, kind of producing and scheduling the show, 2022, you can expect more uh, regularly timed, scheduled, and deployed episodes, for which I'm extremely grateful. Okay, so this week's episode is kind of a straightforward classic uh, chart reading slash interview um, with the princess of Brooklyn drag, Magenta. Um, It's a short and sweet one, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, But first, some business. Um, Okay. We have started, uh, I'm doing the first ever David Odyssey astrology course, um, and we had the first class last night, um, and there were some beloved luminaries, uh, listeners, and it went, I, I had a great time. Of course, I had a great time. I was talking the whole time, but I had a great time, uh, and I'm excited for the next few classes, and there's going to be more courses to come in 2022, so I'm really excited about that. Um and I also, it's been a minute since I recorded. Last week, we did Mystique at the Duplex, Kiko Soire and I, and um, there were some, the, the audience was just so lovely and so warm and affectionate and so down to go wherever the hell we took it. And um, I'm endlessly grateful. To be honest, I was pretty bombed out after the show. Um, you know, the, this is my trauma pattern to not uh, do very well in response to good news, affirmation, and affection. So I was a l- pretty dissociated after the show last week, and uh, I could not... I was not doing a good job taking care of myself. I tried, but, like, you know, it's just crazy because sometimes the way I live my life, it, it really does feel like a murderer is running my schedule and has decided to sabotage me at every move. Um the great kind of calamity catastrophe and crisis of last week was you know melissa rich and i were sitting on her couch and she on friday night and she said i could just as easily not go to this halloween party and just stay home and watch scream too and you know you the audience right now are hearing what would have been a better life unfortunately we did decide to go to a halloween party i have not really been going out the last month or so because 
I think that my migraines are part of a bigger metamorphosis going on, which is that I'm almost one year into recovery and I'm realizing I'm needing to kind of be healing and cocooning right now. And also that, as you know, my therapist said to me, my life in nightlife and comedy is over, which I agree with. Um, but I thought, you know, for Halloween and for all the contact I've been making with, um, you know, the devil and Dionysus lately, that to unleash my kind of sexual side would be good and to kind of go into a shadow self thing would be good. You know, Melissa and I did do an absolutely fabulous costume uh, from the show, Absolutely Fabulous. We went as when Eddie and Patsy go to the Marilyn Manson concert. Now, how did this con- how did this concept fare at a Ty Sunderland knockdown center hell world party? I knew I shouldn't have gone to that party. I knew it was going to be a demon playground. And guess what? I felt like Huckleberry Finn at his own funeral. If you ever want to experience um, death, be a 31-year-old at a Ty Sunderland Halloween party. Every single person was 24 and from New Jersey. Um, We had gays dressed as bats, angels, and wrestlers, so you know what we're dealing with. By the way, gay gazunt, you're all hot, go for it. I have never felt more geriatric or sexless. Um, so there's that. I do want to say, I have this new theory. I don't think this is not interesting by the way, but I have been on a sugar fucking rampage the past month. I have just said she has migraines. She's exhausted. She deserves a break. And I'm happy that I have, I've been eating. I had, some of the best bread pudding of my life two days ago. Okay. I've also realized that I've had zero sex drive this month. And I think, you know, I have been eating sugar with full awareness that I'm doing it to numb out. I think that feeding that numbness is causing, is causing my sex drive to be completely vacant. I have had no sex drive this month and I think it's, if I, if I cut out sugar, and I'm not saying this has anything to do with anyone else's eating habits, but I think for mine, if I go back to going on a low sugar situation, it could allow for other hungers to develop. The question is, then what? You know, the last time, the last time I had sex, it was not the kind that I want to be going into 2022 with. It did not feel whole or loving or complete or whatever. And So now I'm just like, so do I really take a big leap of faith here? Or maybe I just want to be in a cocoon a little longer. I think it's worth risking. So theoretically, after I go see Dune again the second time tonight and go to the Shake Shack by the Battery Park Theater, I'm going semi-off sugar. You know, don't hold me to that. Crazy that I haven't talked about Dune on this podcast You know, if you listen, you know I was really looking forward to it. I've been listening to the Hans Zimmer, uh, the three Hans Zimmer Dune soundtracks nonstop. I have been very, very happy. Uh, I loved the movie. I can't wait to see it again. You know, as I always say, Timothy and Zendaya are our only true movie stars of, of the new age. And yeah, Timothy playing the Messiah works for me. Um... He's incredible. He's profound. Zendaya slammed it. This is the thing, uh, and I know that I'm a broken record here. When I read Dune, 
similarly to when I read Pride and Prejudice, you know, when you read Pride and Prejudice, you say, oh, Mr. Darcy, it's as if Jane Austen wrote this for Colin Firth a hundred years before he was born, right? When you read Dune, you think, I'm sorry, but the character of Lady Jessica is written for Eva Green. It's just, you know, this. these are the rules, okay? Rebecca Ferguson, I think she did a great job, but the role belongs to Eva Green, and there's a there's a reality where Eva Green is playing Timothy Chalamet's mother in space. Okay, I just have to say this. Why isn't Eva Green being given? Just give her an Oscar for Penny Dreadful. Where where is her support system? All right. Um, I tried to watch Sin City, which, as you know, in 2004, we did go to see on opening night, but uh, it was too violent and too scary, and my dad took us out of the theater, and we instead went to opening night of Beauty Shop with Queen Latifah, for which I'll always be grateful, because I do think that film holds up. I tried to rewatch Sin City last week. Not for me. But I did like Sin City 2, which is the one with Eva Green. She's also, you know, similarly, 300 is not for me, but there's a, a second 300 movie with Eva Green. Hello, there's kind of a trend here. That's great. Um, you know, I found Jason Momoa's presence in Dune very comforting. Jason Momoa plays kind of a loving older brother to Timothée. And, you know, where Timothée is the twink messiah, Jason Momoa is kind of his um, thick daddy protector. And if we think about Timothée's character as kind of uh, metaphorically trans, right? You know, it's this kind of uh, messiah character who is supposed to be born woman, but is born, um, uh, uh, born as a male in, in that in this galaxy's terminology of gender and is this kind of um, all being um, we get this fantasy then as, as Timothée is like the queer messiah. We have this fantasy of this loving older brother who can be masculine and be affectionate and who wants to protect him. You know, if only um, I think many of us were disappointed in reality by how that actually shakes out because again as ruby mcallister says siblinghood is random um and often um older siblings um disappoint you when you're when you're born a little special okay if you enjoy dune you know of course i can't highly recommend hodorovsky's dune j-o-d-o-r-o-w-s-k-y uh, it's my favorite documentary of all time. It is about the Aquarius, Alejandro Hodorowsky, the great Aquarius filmmaker trying to make his version of Dune in the early 70s. It is my favorite, most inspiring, beautiful thing ever. Um, speaking of inspiring documentaries, uh, thanks to Lulu Krauss, I am watching the YouTube defunct TV six-part documentary on Jim Henson. Um, it's very bare bones. You know, this is not a Sheila Nevins project. You are not going to be getting... Jennifer Connelly is not sitting down for an interview. It is just like a chronological boom, boom, boom. But nonetheless, it's very inspiring. And it's very interesting to see... I guess I, I, I really relate to this. You know, Jim Henson never really felt comfortable being known as a puppeteer, and he never felt comfortable being labeled as a children's 
entertainer. He was constantly battling against that self-perception, which led him to experiment and to really take charge, which is how he was able to like miraculously, not miraculously, very cleverly, you know, buy back the rights to the Muppets, buy back the rights to the Dark Crystal, etc. And why we have such things as Labyrinth. I was shocked to see that Labyrinth was a theatrical disaster because Labyrinth is every, like, Labyrinth is the only movie. And, you know, I'm going to be working on my Sagittarius piece soon. And if you think it is not all about Jennifer Connelly and Labyrinth, like, you don't know me, baby. Okay. Um, all right. I did do a rewatch because it is Scorpio season. I did rewatch Annihilation, 2018's best film and one of the best, I think, sci-fi movies slash movies of the last decade. What? Sorry. Um, I watched Alex Garland's FX show Devs, and my issue with him is I think he's really good at sci-fi. I don't think he's really good at, like, human beings. And, like, the sex scenes in Annihilation are truly bad, and, like, the love scenes are truly bad. But, you know, when we want to talk about inhumanity, call on Jennifer Jason Lee, who absolutely tears it. I am never going to forgive that she lost the Oscar to Alicia Vikander, okay? Hateful Eight and The Danish Girl. What does that say about our, our the world we live in and why Trump was elected? Okay. Jennifer Jason Lee's character is called Dr. Ventress, already iconic. She's a stone-cold bitch. Anyways, she has this really great... Um, I just wanted to read this scene uh, between Natalie Portman and Dr. Ventress. Um, Why did my husband volunteer for a suicide mission? Dr. Ventress, is that what you think we're doing? Committing suicide? Natalie, you you must have profiled him. You must have assessed him. He must have said something. Dr. Ventress, so you're asking me as a psychologist? Yeah. Dr. Ventress, then as a psychologist, I think you're confusing suicide with self-destruction. Almost none of us commit suicide and almost all of us self-destruct. In some way, in some part of our lives. We drink or we smoke. We destabilize the good job and a happy marriage. But these aren't decisions. They're impulses. In fact, you're probably better equipped to explain this than I am. What does that mean? You're a biologist. Isn't the self-destruction coded into us, programmed into each cell? Um, Annihilation is a beautiful, beautiful movie, um, and I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, speaking of, uh, look, I, in my bleakest depression this weekend, I took myself to go see Last Night in Soho. All right. Last Night in Soho is a particular kind of horror thriller, which is billed as highbrow, right? So it's by Edgar Wright. It has Anya Taylor-Joy, blah, 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 blah. It's very pretty. And which you soon discover is just as, if not more campy than your standard horror movie. I loved it. I think... What I loved about it is the lead girl, Thomasine McKenzie, plays this, like, young freshman at fashion school in London who's, like, an empath and a psychic and very sensitive and, you know, falls prey to all of these demons and and stuff. And, you know, the experience 
of the young empath moving to a new city and being forced into a dorm with a moron, I relate. She eventually moves out of her dorm room, I relate, because I left my dorm room as well and figured something else out because the skateboarder that they had paired me with, uh, humiliating. So I loved that, and I thought that as like an ingenue, Thomasine McKenzie was incredible. The movie gets very campy and like totally goes all over the place. So I can appreciate that. I think the rest of the world will despise it. Um, And I'm curious how its reputation will evolve. It's not a good movie, but it is like a moment. Um, Speaking of the UK, uh, Drag Race UK is one of the worst seasons probably in the show's history. Um, As my roommate has pointed out, um, you know, my roommate pointed out about Veronica Green. She's not really a drag queen. She's a crossdresser. I would say that's the case for most of them. These are not really drag queens. These are fans of the show who think it would be fun to wear a wig. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but Ella Vade is a straight man. Okay. Um, it just boggles my mind that they're doing this season. It boggles my mind when you've done a perfect season earlier in this year, one of the best seasons in the show's history that you would follow it up with, with 21 year old nobodies, you know, let's be honest. Charity case was the best thing on that show. I would just say rewatch Espana and rewatch UK season two. Um, I am avoiding watching the scream five trailer. Um, I really want to just be completely dazzled and mesmerized when I see the movie in theaters. You know, Scream is my favorite thing on earth. And when my brother saw Scream, the original, in theaters on opening night, he said that, you know, that, that, that opening scene with Drew Barrymore, it really, like, they didn't see it coming and everyone in the theater was gagged. And and I really want to go in with that spirit. You know, at Dune, they showed a trailer for Scream 5 and I put my, my coat over my face. So I'm doing my best here. I did watch the making of Dune, the making of Scream documentary behind the scenes. It's a, it's a DVD special feature. Let's not call it a a documentary, but you know, I I do want to say that movie, they were only able to, to really secure that movie when Drew Barrymore agreed And then they were able to get the rest of the cast. And, you know, Drew Barrymore only agreed under the proviso that she could play Casey Becker, who dies in the first scene. People don't really give Drew Barrymore credit. Drew Barrymore is the reason that we get Demi Moore in Charlie's Angels. And Drew Barrymore produced both Charlie's Angels movies and got a huge back-end amount off the profits. So she's... And, by the way, we wouldn't have Donnie Darko if Drew Barrymore hadn't agreed to produce it and play the bitchy teacher. So... There's more going on to this Pisces than than meets the eye, I think. Um, I think she's a genius. Um, There's a great part in the documentary, or where, not documentary, making of, where Wes Craven says, you know, the role of Sydney is really difficult because in every movie, Nev Campbell has to run, fight, scream, cry, and go through the entire physical torrent and torment of human emotionality and Nev Campbell really does deliver that there's a part from my screen four rewatch that really has been sticking with me 
Um, one of the Culkin children is in that movie, and there's a scene where Hayden Panettiere and Nev Campbell are locked in a cellar, and he's banging on the door to let them in because the killer's coming for him, and Hayden Panettiere doesn't know if he's the killer or not. And Nev Campbell says to him, says to Hayden Panettiere, and by the way, Hayden, Hayden Panettiere, I wish they hadn't killed her in Scream 4 because she's excellent. She has an excellent, excellent monologue in that movie. But, but Nev Campbell says to her, if you can't trust him, don't open the door. And there's something about this trauma survivor, Nev Campbell, instructing a younger final girl of like, actually, you need to trust your instincts because people are going to try to fuck with you. That has really been inspiring to me of just this sense of, you know what's up these people can't be trusted um, that I find very inspiring. Uh, I, I don't know why that sticks with me. Also, of course, she has a great line. She has so many good lines in this franchise, but in Scream 4, she has that great line to Emma Roberts where she goes, consider this an alternate ending. Okay. Um, so, I did rewatch one of my favorite ever Six Feet Under episodes, which is the Christmas episode from season two, where the uh, Harley Davidson bikers have a funeral. Really beautiful. Gets me every time. Oh, I, I want to say something. You know, I caved two days ago and I went to the Brooklyn and store in the West Village. You know, come for me, but I, 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 buying sheets online is just never going to work for me. Um, what I will say is this. As I, after spending... Um, $40,000 in the Brooklyn in store and walking out onto the West Village streets. Um, two friends walked by me who were in mid-active conversation and the woman said to her friend, oh, I didn't tell you the news. I've befriended Alison Roman. So that's just kind of the world we're living in now and I just want to really lay out what, the, what has become of Manhattan. Um, you know, in some ways you got to kind of celebrate it. It's pretty fabulous. Um, I am reading the book, the new Dara Horan book. I'm doing the audiobook at my mother's recommendation. People Love Dead Jews. It is a book about the fetishization of the Holocaust and the ways that things like Jewish heritage sites are all bullshit and the ways that anti-Semitism runs rampant, but people get to celebrate someone like Anne Frank. It's everything I like about everything. I highly recommend it so far. Um, you know, lastly, why the last man is over. I'm crestfallen that it was canceled. Um, I'm really disappointed to live in such a mediocre world where really boring things get celebrated. Um, and, and, you know, I am looking at you, WandaVision. I did watch WandaVision and, you know, Why the Last Man was really special and it really let its actresses go there. The show is over. It's been canceled. Um, I doubt it's going to get renewed, which really kills me because you could tell that they had at least another five seasons of story possible. And I'm a big fan of, of the show, uh, of the show and the comic book. I will say I loved how where they took it, which is Missy Pyle, who we need to have on this podcast. Missy Pyle, if you're listening, I would love to read your astrology. No questions asked, okay? Um, Missy Pyle is leading this militia of like 
basically an army of pussy hat women and they're actually going to kill other women and it just kind of explodes and implodes so brilliantly um and i thought it was so well done um okay on to our interview this is magenta uh this is a a quickie that i hope you'll love thanks for listening i am sitting with the undisputed princess of brooklyn magenta welcome thank you thank you for having me big b Magenta, if you don't know her, to, you know, my international listenership, Magenta is a drag performer, party girl, provocateur, it girl. Um, anything else I'm missing there? Yeah, but she's she's scary. She's <laughs> I was a spooky doll. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no. Um, very socialite, perfect, yes. Aquarius. Which we're going to get into. Um, oh. So... Magenta, you know, you're, uh, you are in kind of incandescent, very memorable figure in Brooklyn nightlife. So I'm very excited that we're going to be kind of getting to know you and talking about your astrology. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, first of all, like what, what is your relationship with your astrology, this sort of thing? Well, I feel like, um, like growing up, you obviously see all the like, uh, astrology things and like, you can like pinpoint how they like relate to you, especially with like your own specific like knowing like what I knew about just being like a kid and knowing that I was an Aquarius, I was like, whenever I read the astrology, I was just like, you know what, this kind of makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, was, I was like, maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously. And so like, I feel like there's not a day where I don't go by saying I'm an Aquarius because it makes so much sense. Yeah, what, is, what does Aquarius mean to you? Cause I'm an Aquarius rising and it's kind of an ongoing discovery for me. Well, I mean, it's, um, it kind of has a lot to do with the way like just how I hold myself I feel like it's like just like good good but bad bad but good and somehow (laughs) just completely to myself but like for everybody Mm. perfect (laughs) that's so good completely to myself but for everybody because Aquarius it's like these total originals who are totally in their own world but they're also like you know the the servants of the people and they're trying to like start the revolution well I so love, it's this yeah i love to like i love having the moment of like people being pleased by the things that i do i love that um like just like making people happy kind of situation but also like i love to be like leave me the fuck alone and like secure <laughs> myself and like just be like i need to get out of this <laughs> So let's start, actually, we're going to get to your Aquarius, but let's start with your rising. You're a Cancer rising. Yeah. So Magenta's chart begins and ends in Cancer. Cancer kind of sets the direction for her chart. So Cancer, I think of as like the sign of shelter, the sign of home, the sign of the mother, the sign of the tribe. And I think a Cancer rising is someone who's always looking for that feeling of belonging. How does that feel to you? You know what? Honestly, I mean, like... I feel like that's why I did this so well. Like, I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, this, like, being magenta, doing, like, all the shows and all that shit. I was like, that's why, that's why. I guess that makes a lot of sense. I was just like, just, like, that feeling of belonging, especially, like, I grew up in the Bronx. So, like, I wasn't necessarily um, the most loved by the people there. I'll say that. <laughs> and when did you come into the drag world? Um, I was 16 and I had just dropped out of high school. Um, and uh, Chiquitita, 
at the time, Juku, was like, um, <laughs> do you, uh, you want to go and give shows? And I was like, mom, I want to go and give shows. I have the opportunity to go and give shows. And she's like, well, if you, get, if you like, don't pass your GED test, then you're done giving shows. And then I literally just like managed to like get it done. <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since. How did you know Chiki? Um, well, uh, it was like internet at the time. And then we had like met each other in person and like literally instantly became like that. You're like, this is such a weird interview for me, Magenta, because you're like, um, you like know your chart kind of and you're like yeah that's me that's right like it's you really are such an aquarius of like yeah this is it you know what i mean yeah, no, fully. um it's yeah it's really interesting i mean you're going through a, a really exciting period which is i'll say this like in 2020 you had what's called your saturn square so your saturn return will be many years from now but like you came to like us every seven years Saturn hits an angle. So in um, February and March of 2020, hello. And in November and December of 2020, you came to your Saturn square, which was like, um, it's this seven year checkpoint and you had it in the house of like, you're just debuting, you're just arriving, you're just kind of like becoming. And then we have this kind of challenge point. Your Saturn square, you have Saturn in Aries, so your Saturn square obviously was in Capricorn. And if we think about a Saturn in Aries, that's all about like, I run the show, I'm in charge, I like make my own destiny happen. And your Saturn is in your 10th house of career. So we know that your Saturn square, which is this like, okay, it's a seven, it's every seven years your Saturn does like a checkup. This time it was kind of like, okay, um, are you being seen in the right way? Um, are you around the right people? Um, is this like, is this working? And obviously like there was a pandemic, but I guess I'm curious about like that 2020 moment, what was going on for you in terms of how you felt like the hustle was going, how you felt like you running the show for yourself was going, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I feel like the quarantine definitely gave me the opportunity to, to go from like, a part of anything in particular to just being like considered like Magenta, Princess of Brooklyn, like that was the title. I wasn't a such to such girl or this girl or that girl, I was Magenta, you know? And like, I feel like it had to do with like the shit that I did during the quarantine and like the people that I started like being with during that and working with, because I was like, I did kind of like switch up my whole everything, but it was also like just based out of like, like necessity, I guess, and like, like what we had to do and like where like the money was coming from essentially. So it was like, I did feel like I was like rethinking everything that I had done because it was what I was doing before, like worth it enough to continue to try and do it during a pandemic, you know, which was like terrifying. So during the quarantine, you were, I assume, doing more digital shows and I know that you were also doing- um, I did all the park like shows. We did like right. backyard shows. I did the Rosemont Drag Delivery. It was in the New Yorker. <laughs> no, that's but, right. Um, 
So no, you would drive to people's houses and so do basically, yeah, we would basically delivery like, drag. Yeah, we would show up. We would show up. Well, you had to buy alcohol first, which was always the funny thing because everybody just wanted <laughs> me. And there was like multiple times where they were like, can we just not get the alcohol? Like, can we just get the show? And they're like, no. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, it was literally like they, we would go and they would pay for however many shows they want. And it was literally me in the freezing cold, like in a thong and a bra, like, ah. I did the same two songs for everybody. I was like, girl, you didn't which, see this. Which were the two songs? It was uh, We're Good by Dua Lipa because it's uh, two and a half minutes long and Test Drive yes. by Ariana Grande because it's two minutes and seven seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl, it's too cold for this shit. Get me out there. I mean, it's so interesting because Aquarius to me is so much about Aquarius has a lot to do with like new technology. And I also think Aquarius is very much about like, yeah, I'm unique. What I do, no one else does. And there, I like that you're saying uh, it sounds kind of like the pandemic kind of brought you into your Aquarianism a little bit of like, rather than you being thrown into like kind of competition with everyone else, it's like, how can you be innovating what you do that it can be something that only you do in some ways. Well, yeah, I mean, that's always been my tea. I'm like, I know, I'm like, girl, there was no bitches not wearing tights when I first started or or fucking just like randomly doing shit that would like, like I watched people progressively take like from me because I was like, girl, mm. I, I know I didn't see this shit when I first started. I know y'all bitches wasn't doing this. So what's really going on? But it's like, what's, what's you can tell, like, what it is your impact is on things. I'm like, girl, I'm chilling. I'm fine. I'm like, bitch, they, they snatching these looks. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, today I was feeling a lot of, when I was looking at people's Halloween posts on Instagram, I was feeling, like, jealous and caught up and why wasn't I invited and blah, blah, blah. And I kept having to be like, I'm an Aquarius rising. I should not even be looking back. Like I, I should only be looking forward. You know, oh, fully, <laughs> fully. And not. it's confusing. Well, it also I feel like it, there's also a part of me like that doesn't ever want to look back on things, but always will in a negative way. Yeah, which is like, I guess not the best quality to have, but like it'll be just one of those random moments, and I'll be like, why you do that to me? <laughs> or why did this happen? Like. Why the fuck? And now I'm sitting on the couch mad, like. <laughs> yes, yes. And especially, I, I assume, like, if you see people doing stuff you've done, it must be like, well, you're Scorpio Moon. Of course you want to take that personally. But there's also this part of you that's like, I'm already on to the next thing. You yeah. Know? I, yeah. Literally that. <laughs> like, 100% that. Like, even just the other day, I saw a party that I had done before, and there was this girl, like, that was doing the party and every, every the whole cast was the same. And I was like, damn, I thought I was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, you know what? I've re- I already did the party. Like, why am I, why am I upset? Right, right. But it's like, <laughs> how could they forget about me? I know that's, the Scorpio moon is so like, um, I thought we were gonna die together. Like, are you gonna forget about me like that? That's it, you know? A hundred percent, that's me. I'm like, girl, <laughs> literally when I tell you, I'm like, I don't ever, I like, I'm like, what like I, I feel like most of the time if anything happens to me i'm really like wait that happened because i feel like i'm so um, most of the time i'm so like for sure about everything or like at least like yeah. the way that, that, that everything is like 
No, I mean, everything happens. I feel like I only do things when I'm like 100% sure about everything that's going to happen. So mm. it's like uh, most of the time it has to be like really random for me to not see it. I feel like. Okay, I have to ask you this because when I was working on your chart, this kept coming up for me and like, you know, feel free to correct me if I'm not saying this in the right way or if you don't want to answer this, but you know, with your Scorpio and with Aquarius in your um, eighth house of metamorphosis, with this Venus in Pisces who wants to be this like high femme that is like beloved by everyone, that Venus in Pisces um, is squared. It's challenged by Pluto and Sag. Pluto is the planet of, again, creation and destruction. It's a big theme in your chart. Um, that planet of creation and destruction is in Sagittarius, which is like pushing the envelope, going forward, like changing the conversation, shaking shit up. I'm wondering, in terms of transness, do you ever feel like the language of it or like, the way that it's like understood is kind of limiting or like it's like feels like it's not enough to like express where you are or what you want to be or how you see yourself well i mean i feel like there's a there's a point where um like obviously everything that goes on and like everybody wants to put like labels on everything but i like i feel like it's one of those things where like before i consider myself anything like gender wise i consider myself magenta first like literally like yeah first before anything and because it's like i've never had to explain a lot to a lot of people so it gives like the moment of like there are just people that you will never have to like ask questions about because like you've always gotten the vibe that they wanted to give you you know so it's like mm. it, there's the people that you have to like you have to say oh i'm this i'm that i'm this i'm that just to like make sure that people know that that's what you are but then also like i've been doing this since i was 16 and everybody like has been like on the same type of time that they would be now with like the way that they see me and i've like had so many like i've looked different almost every year that i've been around and like still it's like they still have the same energy when my eyeliner was this big when my eyeliner was this big like literally no matter what it was like they've always looked at me as just that so i feel like it's like not everybody is like lucky enough to have that like validation i guess but like it also is very much about the way that you like portray yourself and like the way you have everybody else look at you yeah i guess you know i'm reading this book right now about how like the the drawback of like consent culture and a lot of the like sexual language that we're using right now is that like you can't really bottle sexuality up in any way and often it's like there's things that are like a lot of desires are fucked up but that doesn't mean you should be canceled for them and when i was looking at your chart i kept thinking like it must feel or maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it must feel a little bit like when, just as the world catches up to you, you're already like, wait, I'm ready for the next incarnation and there aren't words for it. Oh my God. If there was any, if that was the, that was probably the most accurate thing you were going to say at this shit. <laughs> I was like, girl, the way that I feel like I'm constantly ahead of everybody, but like, that's just me. Like, I'm like, yeah. maybe I'm not ahead of everybody, but I know that I am mentally. I'm like, I right. know I'm gonna be there. I know that like, I'm gonna be there and be like, damn, now y'all are doing this, all right, okay. <laughs> right, right. And 
I guess, you know, I often wonder when I'm like, am I an original or am I just like self-isolating? Like, am I just like telling myself that I'm better than other people? You know what I mean? Well, I, and I, I wonder mean, if like that can be hard. But there's there's not much now these days that you could be original with. And like, that's like what I have to tell myself too is like, there's not much that I can do that, that other people haven't done before. I'm like, mm -hmm. even like fashion music, like everything that happens right now is literally just shirt recycling itself. And that's how we're gonna like live until we actually have something that's new and original, which is like scary because like, like even, even down to like originality and being as original as possible is like other people that are trying to do that same exact thing. The, the look is different. The mentality is exactly the same though. So it's like this crazy ass moment where it's like, you can either just do what you wanna do and do it well, because like literally being original is like, doesn't make any sense. It's, it's your originality yes. on, on what we already have, which is like crazy to think about because it's like, you, I, I really have never done anything that somebody else hasn't done before. It's just how well mm. I do it, which is like, I, yeah. Weird. I think it's how well you do it. And I think be, again, with that Scorpio, it's like, it's the authenticity. Yeah. Oh, fully. If you're not authentic, like get out, get out. <laughs> if you're not authentic, get out. And it's period. Cause why, why, why? Like, it just doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel normal to not be. Which I mean, it's just me, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm just curious about like what, what it was like when you discovered the drag scene. Did you feel like a sense of belonging? What's that been like for you? Well, I mean, it was kind of weird because like I started in Manhattan, which like necessarily doesn't necessarily make you feel like the most comfortable unless you do like and then this is not to shade any of the girls i feel like it's one of those things where it's like you have to be kind of certain one way and i was like i didn't really fit in there but then i came to brooklyn and it was so alternative that i didn't really fit in there so i kind of had to just right. like i was like you know what bitches i'm gonna make my own little spot for me you know okay this is something when i was working on your chart that came up for me a lot which is like i think there's a contradiction which is like Cancer is just like, where can I belong? Like, where are my people? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, you know? But then Aquarius is like, well, maybe my people don't exist yet. Like, maybe I have to invent this and maybe yeah. I have to create my own scene. And I was really curious about that, about like seeking a feeling of belonging, seeking a feeling of home, but also knowing that you have to create something that's never existed before. You just explained me like perfectly. Right? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, girl, like that's literally like my vibe. I'm like, I want to be able to sit in the same rooms as the same people that obviously I like, I want to be around, but also like, I know for a fact that you're not going to find another magenta. So, mm. <laughs> so it gives that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, okay. I'm glad we agree about that. I mean, your Aquarius is in your eighth house. This is the eighth house of death metamorphosis and it's the eighth house of like changing your role it's like the eighth house is all about like this is the role you were given as a child and then when someone in the family dies you take on a new role so when i was looking at like your son in aquarius in the eighth house i was just thinking about like it's a life of constant metamorphosis which you've already done quite a lot of but also this sense that like your place is uh you know it, it's something that doesn't exist yet and i'm curious about like where you see yourself or what you want for yourself 
career-wise, creatively, or even as magenta, like even as well, a being. I you mean, know? I feel like that's that's like the thing is like like even when you call a drag queen, I'm like I don't even like that because I feel like it's one of those things where it puts you in a box of things that you're like capable of doing, and I feel like it's one of those things where I'm like I want to just be like. I'm gonna be known for being magenta and like just that. Like it's like how Rihanna is like she the music, she does the fancy fashion shows, she has the makeup, and like you can't tell her that she's just one thing. Yeah, yeah. I I, I gotta say, like you have um your moon is in Scorpio in your fifth house of creativity creativity, pleasure, romance. So things you create, you have your moon in Scorpio and like your moon is kind of where you get your sense of security. Yeah. And Scorpio is the sign of death and metamorphosis. And Scorpio is also the sign of authenticity. And when I was looking at that, I was like, I wonder if relationships are hard for Magenta because you kind of need people who can see you as someone who can see you as maybe more than you are in this moment, who can see you as this like ever changing being this like complex being. And yeah. it might be hard to find those people who like see you and who aren't seeing like a brand or a moment or an image or an age, you know, girl, clock me, clock them, clock <laughs> these men, girl. <laughs> I'm like, girl, if I had a dollar for every time some trade that matched me up just because I was a dollar. But then they couldn't, like, they, they couldn't, weren't in it to win it. I said, handle me. Who gonna handle me? <laughs> Who? No, but literally, it's, uh, it gets very that. I'm like, I, that, that shit has happened to me for so long to the point where I'm dead ass, like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like it's one of those things where like, as I get older, I realize like what it is that I need from people instead of like what it is that I'm given, you know? And what do you need? I mean, because I, I'm asking, cause I feel like with cancer rising, if your needs don't get met, nothing's ever gonna happen. Oh girl, like Ariana said, she said, I could be needy girl. I could be motherfucking needy. But it's literally like, I don't feel like I need a lot. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I just need someone to be there like, mentally and just be like I, I need that like escape moment from like a yeah. real world that it doesn't feel real sometimes you know and it's like to live in this world where everyone's like ah and I'm just like I'm still the regular bitch that wants to smoke a blunt and I just ordered Taco Bell like I just want to chill out <laughs> <laughs> you know there's a lot going on right now which is to say in December of 2020 Saturn entered Aquarius and it's here from December 2020 through 2023. So you're having Saturn, which is the planet of redefinition, hitting all these planets in your home sign. And this year we've also had Jupiter, which is like the big, bold planet of like abundance and expansion and all of that in Aquarius. And um, I was seeing like in May, Saturn hit your Uranus. So like generally speaking this year especially, is this big time of change and transformation for you. And I guess I'm curious about what you feel like you're having to let go of or give up or what you feel like, especially since live performing has come back, like what you feel like is part of your old life that you're recognizing and and, and is maybe needing to be cut out, like that sort of thing. Well, I feel like the biggest thing was like, just that, uh, like 
I feel like I definitely did a lot more maturing and like took a lot, lot, like a lot of that, like, because I did start underage. So like I had to basically, I basically was like acting like I was over 21, but then like still like reacting to everything. Like I wasn't 21 yet, you know? So it was like, but and people were reacting to me like how, like, like I wasn't 21 yet. So I was literally like, there was like the level of like, just I guess immaturity that I was capable of getting away with. But then I, like with a whole year gone, especially I turned 21 in February and then March was the, the quarantine. So I literally <laughs> lost my 21st year and had to start basically at 22 and then have everybody that hasn't seen me for that long, like replace the thought of that kid and like change it. I was like, I have the opportunity to change my narrative and the yeah. opportunity to come back as like an adult and like get the job done, you know? So it was like, that was, I feel like the biggest thing. And just like that, like lighthearted, like, like, I feel like I'm a lot, I have to be a lot more bitchy now. I feel like just to get shit done, you know, like there couldn't be a kid anymore, which is like what I miss, but like, I miss being a little immature, little fucker, but like, this is kind of fun too. <laughs> It's interesting because you and Chicky have had a similar journey with that of like, I'm not the ingenue in that yeah. way. Like I'm the ingenue, but I'm still, I'm the boss now. Yeah. Oh, like fully, fully, fully. Just like growing, 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 grown. <laughs> so 2022 is a big year for you. You're having jupiter planet of like expansion is hitting pisces pisces is in your ninth house of like travel um like spiritual and intellectual expansion like getting your voice out and you know jupiter you have in pisces you have venus and jupiter you're going to be having your jupiter return next year so there's this sense of your world getting to really expand and while that's happening saturn is going to hit your sun so Saturn, which is this planet of like structure and limits and definition is hitting your sun in Aquarius. So I wrote down, um, it's a test of how much she can give up and give into who she really is. So I guess I'm just like, I feel like 2022 is this big year. And I guess I'm curious, is there anything you see that's in your way? Or is there anything that you feel like is holding you back that you're ready to like, or that you think you have to face off with, or that like needs to be cast off? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily know, like per se, but I feel like it's one of those things where I'm never afraid of like challenging myself mentally and like physically, because it's like, I know, I know for a fact that like, I've been in that situation where I've like been able to give up or, or take on certain things just for like progression of my life in general, which is like, weird because I feel like I always know when I'm going to have to change it, but I don't ever know when it's coming. Mm -hmm. you know, like I always know that there's something that's going to happen to me, but I never know when it's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't yes. even know what I would have to fix. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. I feel yeah. like, um, there's just this sense of like a, another layer of skin being shed and then this big, big, big expansion, you know? Oh, fully. And you know what, like, it's weird because I feel like, like 2020 for me was supposed to be like my big year because it was the year that I turned 21. And so it was like, I never really had problems getting into anywhere before 
but it was like, there was nothing that can stop me, you know? But then like with everything that happened, I mean, I still had a really good and big year, like thankfully in the middle of that, but it was like, everything kind of feels like it had to be more delayed, but I feel like with what you're telling me now about like how everything is going with my chart, it makes sense that it happened later on instead of when it was supposed to, I guess. To me, I, I feel like um, here we see Neptune and Saturn hit your Neptune in January, this January, January 2021. And Neptune to me represents like fantasies and like ideas about what your life is going to look like and how everything's going to go. And there's this idea when Saturn hits it of like that fantasy being broken or disillusionment. And I think and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It's almost like you were on one one path. And then when that got stopped, you maybe got a chance to realize like maybe that it was kind of limited or it, oh wait, it could be so much bigger. There could be so much more. You could do things so much differently, you know? Yeah. And I, I, that definitely changed in the way like, obviously the way that people see me now, cause I feel like I definitely like, I don't even feel like I look like the same person that I was before. And it's right. like crazy for that. But like, also just like, like knowing that I didn't just want to be like a Brooklyn drag queen for the rest of my life you know like I didn't want to just be at the same like bars and like like I love the bars I love performing in the bars I love performing for the people but like like I knew like I needed I needed it bigger but I also knew that it wasn't gonna happen with doing the things that I did that I was just like continuing to like stay on which I guess mm -hmm. comes back to like what we were talking about in like losing things to like progress. Like it was very much the moment of like, do I want to be in a dive bar? No, not for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know? Like, right. and, and, like I've been doing this for years. So it was very much the moment of like, are we going to do something else now? Like, are we going to have, are we going to be major or are we going to not be major? <laughs> mm. Yes, slay. <laughs> slay. No, but yeah, that was, that was, that was the shit. It was very much like, do you want to be, do you want to be this your whole life or do you want to be something else? And is that something else like obtainable? And I guess it was. That to me is very much like the breaking point that everyone should, I think is kind of going through with all these planets moving through Aquarius right now is like, even if you could go back to the way things were before the pandemic, should you? And what if you could adapt and what if you could create something new? And there is like this, we are at the start of a new decade. Like why not go bigger? Oh, fully. And it's like, I, I like, and it comes back to, to like, when I said I get bored of myself, I feel like I wouldn't even want it to, I wouldn't even want it to go back to how it was because I've already like, my brain has already said that that's not what it is anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So Magenta, like, what's next? Mm. <laughs> um, honestly, I like, I feel like I, I put a lot of like work and energy into um, like the resurgence of nightlife in Brooklyn and New York, like during the quarantine. Right now I'm like, chilling during my my the parties that I have I'm not really like working anything big because I'm like girl she's burnt she's tired um 
I still do fake nudes at the Rosemont. I still do yes. her at three dollar bill, which is sickening, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, just like I'm like taking it slow right now, but also like still doing all of the like things that I would normally be doing. But um, I wanna I wanna work on I wanna work on producing more parties soon. I like have this idea for this like all trans party called Girly Girl, which I think will be really fun. Yes. Um and no, yeah, I'm just literally like kicking. I'm like when when it when it comes to the time where I need to like actually evolve and like do other shit, I feel like it, this time of like relaxing before that would be the perfect like step in being able to have everything ready for that and that growth. I love that. Um, where can people follow you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at it magenta it magenta altogether. Um, you can follow me at Venmo at magenta queen. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you Twitter at magenta queen with a capital C at the end, and that's not for Matt. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, that's okay. pretty much it. Um. Magenta, thank you for being with me. Uh, oh my God, so thank you. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Be a mitzvah angel and leave a rating and review on iTunes and do subscribe and share. You can book your own reading, catch up on the pod, and read my latest articles at davidodyssey.com and learn more about my upcoming astrology course and live shows on Instagram david underscore odyssey or by emailing me at adavidodyssey at gmail.com we made it baby see you next time say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill